What's up, guys? Welcome back to Germany's fastest-growing American podcast, MacBook Pro. It's episode 31 today. Super excited. It's a rainy day in Berlin, which makes me feel like there is really nothing else I would rather do than stay inside and record this episode from the comfort of my flat. Uh, But unfortunately, I don't have the luxury of staying inside all day. I have a race coming up, a running race in like eight weeks and I need to go for a three-hour training run today Um, and that's kind of hanging over me um, and it's kind of hanging over the day so after I'm done with this episode I will put on my shorts and go outside for that run but for now I'm trying to uh, postpone the inevitable as much as I possibly can so thank you for joining me today I hope that you are living the life of your dreams and that you are super happy. I know that that kind of sounded sarcastic. I kind of meant it to be sarcastic at first, but then I actually realized like, I do hope that you're happy. I hope that you're doing well. So um, yeah, where do I even begin? I'm expecting a delivery in the next 15 to 60 minutes. I have no idea when it's going to come. It'll be my Chef Coco for the week. Um, Chef Coco is a meal prep service. I'm not sponsored by them. Like this is literally not an ad read, but I would be so happy if they gave me a discount for mentioning them on the podcast. Um, But anyway, they're a Berlin-based meal prep service, the best one that I've found so far. And uh, yeah, I'm excited, excited to get some food in me. And I guess, you know, just grateful to be here, grateful to be alive and and healthy and happy. Last night I went out with uh, one of the co-founders of my company and we just grabbed wine scholes, which are like wine spritzers, really popular here in Germany and probably my favorite alcoholic beverage. But the thing about them is that they, they hit you different, I think, because you don't expect it. You know, there's water in the wine, sparkling water. So you kind of think, oh yeah, it's just going to be diluted. And then you end up getting destroyed. And um, that's kind of what happened yesterday. It was also pouring rain last night. It's it's been raining uh, only since yesterday, but it was just kind of weird because it's been so sunny recently in Berlin, which has been a godsend. Um, the summertime in Berlin is like no other city that I've been to so far. So the more sun that we get here, the crazier it gets outside uh, and the better it feels to be walking through a park and seeing all these people barbecuing or having little raves, um, doing stuff like that. Actually, there's a rave happening today in Berlin um, that I was invited to. But yeah, that there's 0% chance that that is going to happen for me. Uh, I think I've been like pulling back recently from the whole partying thing. I mean, for me, it's just been, it was nice in the beginning to go out and go clubbing again, but I have a very 
low tolerance for activities that don't serve my long-term self-interest. And I would say it usually happens where I'll have like one month of just going pretty crazy and doing the things that um, I don't normally do. And then I equal, like I'll equalize. And it's usually with the help of a friend who will kind of uh, pull me aside and say, dude, you are literally living the most imbalanced life right now. And I'm like, dang, dude, you are 100% correct. And that's usually when I take the first step to go back to my baseline. So I'm trying to stay balanced though right now and trying not to do any all or nothing decisions, which is something that I'm famous for. And to kind of stay in this place of groundedness, I'm doing my best to not rule things completely out. So if I say to a friend who wants to go clubbing, no, I don't want to go clubbing tonight. That's a better approach, I think, than saying like, no, I'm not going to go clubbing anymore. Because I do have a tendency to have absolute statements, to, to make absolute statements when I feel like something is not serving me anymore. And in this case, I just don't want to spiral again into the other end of the spectrum where I'm just um, staying inside and kind of just like hibernating for, you know, weeks and weeks. It's not winter time. So I'm trying to save my hibernation energy for uh, November and December, January, February, March, and April. I was just checking the battery on this uh, microphone to make sure that it was not going to die on me. That's one of my fears. So yeah, uh, my girlfriend and I have a cool trip planned to the U.S., which I'm super excited about. It is happening in October. It's going to be from like the 5th until uh, the following 5th of November, or the, the 5th of the following month, I should have said. So yeah, that'll be exciting. It'll be like a full month of um, getting to see a bunch of different cities and um, taking her around because she's actually half American. So she has family in Michigan, which is pretty cool, I would say. It just makes it pretty interesting. Like she has, like she belongs there in a way. And I think that that's, um, yeah, pretty cool. So the itinerary as of now is like New York, um, flying into to New York and then going up to see my mom, spending some time in New York City, then flying to Michigan, going to one of my best friend's engagement parties, then seeing Michigan football play Indiana, and then going to the west side of Michigan, then around in a rental car around the lake to Chicago. And then we're going to fly from Chicago into Denver, probably spend like four to six days in Colorado, try to see some mountains and, and cool stuff like that. And then after Colorado, going to fly into Texas and um, we'll see some friends that live in Austin. Uh, the friend who's having the engagement party, we'll see him where he lives in Houston. And then we're going to catch a Dallas Cowboys game uh, before we leave Texas, which I'm super pumped about. And then at the end of the trip, it's going to be like flying from Texas back to New York. 
and then taking a, well, either flying from Texas to Boston or taking a train from New York to Boston to go visit my friend who lives there. And I think, you know, it'll be just a really good time in general and a nice way to kind of escape. And one of the things that I'm looking forward to the most about being self-employed and just having my own company is not having to think about stakeholders and not, well, that's not true, not having to think about internal stakeholders. So I'm literally going to be my own boss. Of course, I will have clients, but I don't have to really think about um, how my vacation is going to impact my colleagues or something like that. And I can be extremely upfront with everyone I work with to just tell them, hey, look, I am going to take the entire month of October to travel. Of course, I can help you where it's needed, but for the most part, I'm going to be watching my Dallas Cowboys hopefully beat the Rams. That would be such a sick game. I'm so excited. All right. So yeah, that's pretty much, um, you know, the, the travel plans. Um, and then I have some cool stuff that I'm looking forward to just in like the next few months. As I mentioned, I have my race coming up at the beginning of August. It's a, it's a completely flat ultra marathon, which I have not run yet. I've only run mountain ultras, which are, they require a lot of hiking and, um, yeah, they're, they're really cool. I mean, you get incredible views and you get to do things that you probably would not do on a normal hike. Like one time I just, while I was in an island chain off the coast of Norway, there was a mountain that was still covered in snow in June and there's 24 hours of sunlight because it's um, summertime in Norway. And yeah, I was just like surfing or snowboarding, I should say, down this mountain with just my feet because I couldn't find the flags anymore to direct us on the course. And it was pretty cool. Um, definitely an experience to just like use my shoes to kind of try to get down the mountain a little bit faster because I, I couldn't find my way back onto the trail. Anyway, um, so we have that race coming up. It's in Berlin. It's the original Berlin Wall. And I think it's 160-something kilometers and 100 miles total. So it'll be interesting. I'll see a lot of history. And hopefully at the end of that race, I will really feel like a real Berliner because I'll see um, the entire wall or the site of the entire wall. So yeah, that is uh, what's coming up in August. I have a couple of friends. So I've my friend, Justin, who I'm going to see in Boston visiting in July. Then I have my buddy Zay coming out in August. He's probably going to support me during the race. Then I have my mom coming out in late August. I'm hoping that she'll actually have the chance to retire this year. Um, and then after my mom comes out, yeah, I mean, September is going to just be a work month, just grind as hard as I possibly can. And then after September is the trip to the States. And then I guess I will go back into full grind mode again uh, from November, probably until I would imagine until Christmas. And I don't know what's going to happen after that, but it's super cool. I mean, I'm excited. I try, obviously I'm not doing a great job of it right now, but I am trying to be a little bit more present and enjoying the time that I know I can control, which is like right now. And I just cannot help but get excited about, you know, thinking a couple steps ahead. It's just a tendency that I have. 
But yeah, life is just going well. And I think being in this relationship has been super good for me so far. It's pretty new. It's only been a few weeks. And <clears throat> because we knew each other before and we also have like very similar mindsets and interests, I feel like we were able to kind of skip ahead pretty quickly in certain areas. But of course, like I'm, I'm well aware of how important it is to take things a little bit slowly and not feel rushed. Um, because if you do end up finding somebody who you want to be with, then you have all the time in the world. But it's also a double-edged sword because you really don't know how much time you have. So anyway, all of that is to say, it's been going super well. Um, she has a young daughter, which is an interesting experience for me because I don't have, I mean, I have a dog. She's a, a girl and yeah, I mean, obviously it's not the same thing, but I have a mouth to feed. And um, so I feel like this is just a gradual, not gradual. This is just a the next step, I think, of being an adult. If you want to have children is actually having a child. And it's pretty cool that she already has one and her daughter is seven years old. So yeah, that's been really interesting. And my German is not great. I don't feel very confident when I speak around my girlfriend or her daughter in German. But when I speak to my friends that are German that I know are not going to, it's not that they're not going to judge me because I don't think she judges me either. But it's almost like when you speak German to certain people or you speak a foreign language to certain people, you really don't want to disappoint them. And so you tend to be more careful and then you make more mistakes. I actually believe that I make less mistakes or at least like I make less big mistakes when I just go at it and I don't think about every single word that I'm saying and I just kind of get to the to the meaning of what I'm trying to convey. Um, but with her, I, you know, I just tend to say things super slowly and incorrectly. So that is something that I'm working on so that I can actually have like meaningful conversations someday with her daughter. Um, and I'm sure that her daughter will learn English at some point, but that should not be, I should not be waiting for that to happen to start communicating with her effectively. So that's been cool. Um, what else? <laughs> I mean, that's a big one, right? Um, it's so, it's so funny to me because I've had moments in my life, like long stretches of time where I wanted to have a family. And then I've had moments where I just didn't think that it was the wise move for me to do. And then it's kind of fluctuated a bit, I would say over the past seven, seven or eight years. So since I was like 21, yeah, 21, 22. And I remember one morning I woke up after having this dream where in my dream, I was looking this little boy in the eyes and he in the dream was my son and he had a bowl cut and blonde hair just like I did when I was young and I just remember feeling so at peace with everything and just so proud that I brought this little guy into the world and I think that was like probably the first time where I realized holy shit I think I 
I think I really want to have kids. Like, I think I, I need this for my soul somehow. And yeah, um, I'm just kind of in this, I'm approaching the entire situation from, I would say, a pretty healthy place and trying to be really conscious of how I show up and what I say and what I do when I'm around her because I grew up without a father and so much of what I would consider to be like good father behavior, I kind of scraped from more like I picked up from TV shows like sitcoms and movies. And I just never saw a healthy relationship like that up close. Like even, even if I think about like friends, moms, uh, sorry, friends, parents, I should say, um, some of my friends, parents were still together, but like my best friend, two of my best friends growing up had divorced parents. And then the parents that did stay together, it wasn't like they, most of them were not like happy. It was pretty obvious. Uh, I think I may have only witnessed in my entire childhood, like five happy marriages. Consciously, you know, I'm sure that I passed people on the street that I didn't know were in happy marriages, but I don't know. I, I think that we have very um, unrealistic expectations of what love looks like up close and the movies that we watch make us believe or lead us to think that love is supposed to be something that is is bright from the beginning, like butterflies in the stomach from the minute that you meet them and butterflies throughout the entire relationship. And I don't know. I don't know if that's true. But I do know that Hallmark movies and, you know, these rom-coms, they oversimplify the concept of love, which is such a complex idea. And it, I think every potential person that you, uh, every potential mate that you could end up with, you will, based on their personality, react differently. And maybe you'll be warmer with some people than you would be with other people and more communicative with some than others and uh, better conversation and more chemistry and there are a ton of different variables that could impact how you show up in the relationship. What I think is the most important thing in any relationship is that both people are working on themselves in some way, preferably in every way that they possibly can. And I think as long as both people are committed to moving forward together, and are willing to take accountability when they fall short and can lean on each other when they need to, then the relationship can be healthy and last a very long time. But personally, like until this point, I really have not been in like a completely healthy relationship. I've had relationships that, you know, were just pretty toxic or I had one relationship that was super toxic and I've had other relationships where um, and not just like officially boyfriend, girlfriend, right? So I think that's also important. People that I've gotten to know over a, a couple of months that eventually we decided not to become boyfriend and girlfriend for some reason. 
sometimes it was just that we like there was one girl that one girl that I dated in college and all we did was smoke weed together it it felt like and it was it was nice like don't get me wrong like it was I mean I was really young I was like 20 years old maybe 19 and we would just smoke weed together and listen to music and laugh and stuff and we would always go for drives because she actually lived about an hour away, maybe an hour and a half away from where I lived on Long Island. And we went to community college together. And so she would sometimes drive out and stay by me. Other times I would drive out and stay by her. And what I appreciated about her was that um, she came from a low income family because I also came from a low income family. And think it was just nice to never have to feel like I was putting on a front or something like that um, when I was around her. And I never, I never, maybe I should also clarify, I've never, I've never tried to pretend to have more than I do or to, to try to have like higher status than I do or whatever it is. I've never done that because it, I don't like doing things that don't feel authentic. I mean, if you listen to any of these episodes of my podcast, you'll know that I just do not hide the the truth of the of the scenarios like if it's an embarrassing situation i'll tell you why it was embarrassing if it's uh, a story that you know i might want to include certain details so you have a better understanding like drug use for instance or something like that i don't hold punches um and i just don't like showing up in a way where it doesn't feel authentic but with her it was really nice because i never felt uncomfortable i think that's like probably the way i should have said it i never felt like she would judge me for anything and I, that was probably the first time that I ever really felt that way. Um, but anyway, I haven't really been in like a super healthy dynamic. There have been times where, as I mentioned, it was just like hanging out, maybe going out a lot or smoking a lot or um, it being kind of purely physical or other times it looked like it could have gone the distance, but then there were just like very key um, blockers that prevented us from moving forward, like ideas of what success should look like uh, in the relationship. So it's nice to be able to apply some of the teachings from past relationships so that I can at least be more conscious of how I show up. And now that there is a child involved in the relationship, it's really, really important to me that I do what I can to be fair, to be responsible, and yeah, just do better. I think that there are a lot of guys out there that want to be dads, and maybe they don't know how to be. Maybe similarly to me, they had to rely on movies and um, seeing families from afar, but I really do want to be a good dad and regardless of whether or not it's with my girlfriend and you know if that evolves into something like really serious or if it's just in the future with someone else I have the intention of being a good father and making sure that I show up the way that my children kind of need me to so yeah, I am just quite deliberate about it. I'm also an overthinker. So if you've listened to this episode or any other episode, you'll know that I, I tend to get in my head and think pretty far into the future.
I just spilled coffee on myself. That's okay, though. It happens to me more times than I care to admit. But yeah, um, who knew that today's episode was going to be so emotional, so so focused on being a father? I, I actually had no idea what I was going to talk about before I turned the microphone on, which is pretty much every episode except the episode called Mauritius, but every other episode I've actually had zero plan of like what I'm going to say. And I really like it that way. Um, so aside from having some some cool things to look forward to this year, um, I feel like I'm I'm in a place again of reevaluating what I want out of my life, and it is a good place. It's a it's a healthy place. I think I think only when you have only when you can compare this feeling to the absence thereof do you start to re- recognize the value of having these kinds of moments where you want to change? That was really convoluted. I felt like a politician. Um, but yeah, I think it's easy to take these kinds of uh, moments for granted when you sit down in front of a piece of paper or your computer and you start like mapping out what you want out of your life and the goals that you're setting and who you want to be. But now that I had, I, I was probably in, uh, I want to say, I, I don't know what I would call it, but you can call it like social hibernation mode. It was really just like get shit done mode. I was in get shit done mode from the middle of December until the beginning of March. And then in March, I started going out again, started drinking. I think I just like missed being around people. And then in, I would say like in May, it just started to get really um, crazy with going clubbing and uh, meeting new people because now that COVID is, is behind us, it seems more and more people are going out and doing things. And I think that there's just a lot going on. So it's been really fun. Um, but now I'm kind of in this place where I'm like, all right, look, that was fun. That was a great time. I wouldn't change it for the world, but there are some decisions that I need to make over the next few weeks and how I follow up on those decisions is going to make all the difference for me for the rest of this year, at least. So I'm kind of more in focus mode again and just trying to get back to where I was. Um, I kind of just got reminded of something because I had this Halloween mug, like the cup that I drink my coffee out of. It's the biggest mug that I have in my flat. It's, it's gotta be like half a liter or something ridiculous. And it might even be more. My French press has enough room for two liters. So this mug is like one of the biggest mugs I've ever seen. It's incredible. And it's orange and it has these, um, crescent moons like white crescent moons and then stars and then bats like Halloween bats that look a little bit evil. And the bats are white or sorry, the bats are black, the moon and the stars are white and the mug is orange. And it makes me so happy because Halloween is my 
favorite holiday. I've mentioned that before on the podcast. It's just a time of year that brings so much nostalgia into my life and just makes me so happy. And one of the things that I'm really um, pumped to show my girlfriend when we're in the States is how suburbs look with Halloween decorations and how just the vibes of the Midwest are probably going to be. I don't know exactly like how, how it will look. I just have an idea and I hope that people are still, I mean, it's the first Halloween since COVID, right? Since COVID restrictions and stuff like that. So since they were like lifted permanently or indefinitely. So I hope that families will go back to having Halloween decorations again. Man, if the U.S. could just be united, like politically, right? If we could just have respect for both sides and preferably have more parties and just more representation in general, and Americans could just be like neighbors again and actually like get along, man, Halloween would be so fucking sick in the States again because you would just have people who take pride. I think Halloween is like one of the most beloved holidays. I know it's like one of the most popular ones to celebrate, but I think people do genuinely love the holiday. Like I actually don't really know that many people besides like um, family people, I guess, or like parents who love Thanksgiving, for instance. But because Thanksgiving, I mean, everyone, when you think of Thanksgiving, you think of like dry ass turkey. It always looks good, but it always tastes like shit. Um, but, but Halloween, the only time that Halloween disappoints is if your idea of Halloween is to Halloween does not disappoint. You heard it here first. I thought about it. I was like, oh, the only time Halloween would disappoint is if you go to a party and you're expecting it to be fun. Halloween parties are fucking sick. Halloween decorations are amazing. Halloween candy, I don't eat it, but I used to. Also amazing. Um, the entire vibe, the music, like scary music, um, the attractions, all of the, the horror movies, the horror movies that have Halloween featured in them. Oh, Disney movies, Disney movies from the 1990s, the early 2000s, Halloween Town, Hocus Pocus. I mean, guys, it's fucking insane. It's just the best holiday. And if you are not American and you don't understand Halloween, I understand what Halloween might look like from the outside. I think Germans have carnival, carnival, but like, it's just different. Like Halloween is one of those holidays that's so deeply ingrained into us as Americans because unless you're a Jehovah's Witness or a Mormon, I believe, like most people celebrate Halloween or if you're from another country, maybe not for religious reasons, but most people celebrate Halloween and it's just a time where you can dress up as whoever the fuck you want to be and do things. One time, oh, I already told this story on here, but I dressed up as a virgin and there was a terrible idea because you know, I just kept, people kept, like my friend kept introducing me to girls as like, hey, this is Macklin, he's a virgin. And you know, they didn't realize it was a Halloween costume. Anyway, such a fucking stupid move. One time I dressed up as Stanley Yelnats from Holes. And that was, <laughs> that was fun, actually. It was a fun Halloween party. But anyway, um, Halloween does not disappoint. So if you are not American and you are planning on going to the States at any point this year, make it Halloween time. Just like go in late October and go pumpkin picking and oh my God, it's so much fun. I could be, I could be like the global ambassador for Halloween. 
if the Halloween industry, all of the uh, mask and costume companies, the candy companies, if they need a spokesperson to go and bring Halloween into the rest of the world, I can really only speak for Germany. I would be that guy. I could probably do it in anywhere in Europe, but most likely Germany would be the, the first place that I would do it. And I've seen that there are a couple of American style Halloween places in Germany, but it just kind of looks weak compared to what it could be. Like there's such an opportunity here for people if they just created a proper Halloween farm or is it they just had like a big plot of land, a haunted house, hayride, um, the American variation of pumpkins. So the German ones are just different. And to me, they're just not that cool. But if you can get the classic American uh, variety here and do like all the things that we do in the States, like Halloween um, uh, costume competitions, the jack-o'-lantern carving, uh, I don't know what you'd even call this, like a pumpkin competition where they people try to grow the biggest pumpkin and they bring it and they present it it's almost like um from like old books like charlotte's web and stuff they have like competition of like who's the biggest pig who could raise the biggest pig and then they bring them to the county fair and then the winner gets like a bow on the pig and the, the pig probably gets shot like right then and there and turned into bacon but you know halloween is just man it's freaking delightful and you know that I, I mean it. It's June 17th, and I'm talking about Halloween. Halloween is one, two, three, four months away. Wow, four and a half months away. And I, I could not be more excited. So, whew, man, I did not think that I was going to talk about Halloween again today, but I'm sure glad that I did. And um, yeah, going to the Midwest, I think, is just going to be a lot of fun there. So let's see. Um, let's see how that goes. I'll keep all of you guys posted. Hopefully I will still record an episode of the podcast while I'm out there. Maybe a couple of episodes. That would be fun. I can maybe set up some interviews already so that I have people to talk to and then I can um, yeah, get that situated. Dude, I have no idea what the States is like right now. It's based on what I've seen on YouTube and stuff. Like it seems like the U.S. really fell apart during COVID, and policymakers are now kind of picking up the pieces um, that they that they let fall to the ground during COVID. Uh, like all, I mean, I talked about this in the last episode, but like homelessness and drug use and all that kind of stuff. So, I I'm gonna probably just stick to the areas that I know and trust in the places that I've already gone, um, and yeah just hoping that it's not not too too crazy. I mean, we're not going to Oregon, so we're not we're not going to go to Portland or Seattle. Um, you know, so like no Washington, no Oregon, um, no California. And then New York, I think is relatively safe as long as we're in certain areas. But yeah, that's just like a weird thing for me. I I never really felt unsafe in New York. And I've just heard more and more Americans are feeling, at least my friends are feeling unsafe going out at night and stuff like that. But what do I know? I think that the media is pretty good. And when I say the media, I think social media is pretty good at making people think that things are one way when they are really another. 
So I'll have to see it for myself. Um, but yeah, I have, for, for no reason right now, I have two cell phones. I really don't know why. So I will just carry, I mean, they both have uh, phone plans, one's for work and one's for personal. So I'll just carry them both when I walk around. And if anyone mugs me, I'll give them my old iPhone and then my new Android will stay in my pocket safely, hopefully. Um, and then I'll use that to call the police immediately. Anyway, whoa, what a sidetrack. You know what I don't miss? I don't miss going on dates in New York. The dating scene of the States, like especially the online dates, I should say, is whack. I used to go on dates pretty often. Um, I would say I went on dates like when I first moved to New York in 2017. I was probably going on dates like one to three times a week. And I just had so many dates that were, (laughs) some of they were awful and some of them were awful because of me and others were awful because there was no chemistry and others were awful because it was just awkward as fuck. I went on a date once with this girl and she, uh, like we hung out um, we went to a movie. She told me that she doesn't like horror movies. And my response was, oh yeah, that's okay. Let's go see it. She was like, what? I, I told you I don't like horror movies. I was like, yeah, but it's going to be, It's I'll be there next to you. So we go see this movie. We go see it. And this girl is literally crying. She has like her hands over her face. She's like hiding in a ball we're in this movie theater that has like recliners like it's like like maybe it's IMAX or something like that and she's reclined all the way back and just like crying and like holding her hands over her eyes and I'm not even paying attention to her I just notice her from time to time when she screams (laughs) and I just had such a good time and after that date I don't really know why I expected to hang out with her again because I'm pretty sure I just traumatized her but we did hang out one more time and nothing ended up happening between us we never kissed we never we really just were kind of friends but we didn't have anything in common it was strange um anyway so it was just a super awkward date where at the end of that night um after the movie she's like uh yeah this was fun thanks I was like yep I enjoyed it and then we just went separate ways and then we hung out like one more time the next week and then never saw each other again. Uh, another time I went on a date where we just like walked around and I remember at the end of the date just being so confused and she was so confused that we had literally nothing at all in common. And then I just dropped her off at the subway and she was like, uh, bye. And I was like, mm-hmm, bye. One time I went on a date, this girl was... I want to say two hours late. So we had kind of planned on having an early dinner somewhere in Midtown, I think, or maybe like Lower East Side. We were going to grab sushi and she was like, hey, uh, I would love to meet around like 4.30 if you want. So I was like, okay, that works for me. Um, I'll meet you there. So as I start walking in the direction to meet her, she texts me. She's like, hey, I'm going to be late. I'm like, okay, that's fine how late? She's like, probably like 30 minutes. I was like, that's completely fine. So I just took my time. And when I finally got to the restaurant, um, 
I got there when she said she was going to be there. I texted her. I was like, hey, just got to the restaurant. No response. Then like 30 minutes later, she texts me and I'm already sitting down at the restaurant, kind of just like, you know, chilling, drinking a tea or something. And she was like, hey, I'm actually going to be like an hour late. So I really didn't think she was coming. And I just decided because I was already hungry, I was already sitting down at this restaurant. I just decided to order food and drinks. <laughs> so I'm sitting there eating sushi and drinking sake and I'm actually pretty hammered. I didn't realize I was going to get so drunk, but like it was hot sake. So I just was kind of like sipping on it while I was eating. Anyway, she actually shows up and I'm like pretty much done with my meal. And she's like looking at me like, did this motherfucker just eat without me? And she sits down and I'm like, yep, sorry. I, uh, I just didn't think you were coming. And she's like, yeah, but I told you I was going to be late. I was like, yeah, no, no, I'm sorry. I just really didn't believe that you were going to be here. And so she looks at the menu and I'm like, Hey, do you want, um, do you want some sake? And she's like, no, I don't drink because of medication I'm on. And I was like, Oh my God, this is so fucking awkward. So she sits there, by the way, she's also quite a bit taller than I am. So it was just a really weird dynamic. Um, we're just sitting there. I think she doesn't end up ordering food. So she just watches me eat and drink. And I think I ordered another thing of sake. <laughs> and at the end of the date, I was like, all right, this is fun. You know, but it was like, I'd already been waiting for her for like two hours. So like we only ended up spending like 25 minutes, maybe 35 minutes together. And then, and then that was it. Um, also back in that day, back in those days, back in, back in my day, I used to use working at Google as like part of my identity because so many people that I worked with at Google had that, that same attitude where like they used Google as like their personality in a way, something that they would like lead in conversation with or yeah, just kind of drop at some point in the meeting. And the thing about Americans versus Germans on the topic of Google specifically is that Americans are more impressed, I think, typically than Germans are when you say that you work at Google. And so, you know, when you would say to someone, yeah, I work at Google in the States, they'd be like, wow, that's so cool. Like, you know, they would assume you must be making so much. It must be so cool. I, I, I know the movie, the interview, and I know that the offices have this. And they would ask questions like, is it true that they have sleep pods in the office? Is it true that you get free breakfast, lunch, and dinner? And you're like, yep. And it is cool. Um, it is also kind of like this badge of honor in a way, not bad, not even just badge of honor. Actually, it's more like a seal of approval in a way, because if you don't know somebody, but you know that they work at Google, you know that Google is very strict about who they hire. So you must, you kind of assume that that person must be all right and that they're probably not a serial killer rapist. And I think that that always made people feel more comfortable if you would meet them and say that you worked at Google. They're like, okay, cool. You're probably smart. You're probably a normal person or like weird, but in a good way. And yeah, you probably are on a trajectory to be quite successful. Um, <clears throat> I'm so fucking grateful that I left that company because I finally started to realize like that my worth was not tied to where I work. It's not tied to the work that I do. My worth is tied to my opinion of myself and my ability to 
take bad situations or less than stellar situations and somehow turn them into an advantage for me. That is like probably one of my biggest strengths that I have is that I'm able to persevere um, when the odds are not in my favor. And I think if I had stayed at Google for a long enough time, like I still have friends that work there and I know that they, some of my friends are unhappy. Um, some of my friends are just trying to like climb the, the corporate ladder as much as they can there. And it's completely fine. Like I think it's, I mean, it is a good company. I would never, I would never shit talk the, the company itself and say that they're not like a good company or that they don't um, hire good people. But what I do feel is that um, it's not the most fulfilling work. And if you tie your personality and your worth to where you work, the longer you're there, the harder it's going to be to break free and to actually find something that makes you happy. So I'm super um, grateful that I got out of there I'm very grateful that I had the chance to work there first and foremost, and it taught me a lot of lessons that I carry with me till this day, or to this day. And um, I think like back in 2017 and 2018, when I was going on dates and stuff, it would come up that I worked at Google, and that would be like part of part of my game in a way, you know, because there's so much to talk about. And as I mentioned, mostly from my experiences, like most women thought that it was like an attractive thing. Oh, you work at a huge tech company and blah, blah, blah. So yeah, now that I'm starting my own company and I'm literally building this brand from zero, there's going to be, it's cool. It's like an attitude adjustment, but I I guess I already had one because the last two companies that I've worked for have been startups and not very well known, um, at least when I started there. So that's been um, really healthy, I think, for my ego and for myself in general. And I had like one of my best friends uh, who also went to my high school who worked at Google with me for a while. And I remember he switched from the sales team to the recruiting team. And when he was in the recruiting team, you know, I know that he was doing well, but I don't know if he was very fulfilled. And he would always ask for advice, like, should I stay? Should I try to like get another job somewhere else in Google? Uh, or should I leave? And my feeling on the matter was always like, look, if you have doubts about whether or not that's the right place for you, and it's been a long enough time where you could actually make uh, an, an informed decision, then why delay the inevitable if you're not happy? So he eventually did leave for a very well-known language learning app. And now he's at a very well-known social media company. And I think for him, that was really good because he got quite a bit of, um, I don't want to say an attitude adjustment because he didn't have a bad attitude, but maybe like a healthy ego adjustment. Like we all had to when we, when we leave a company like that, unless you go to like Meta or um, Twitter for instance. So yeah, um, just weird. It's weird. The tech bubble is a very strange thing to be in. And I know I haven't announced this publicly yet, so I guess I will announce this publicly. Um, The company that I'm starting is called Hirochi. And what I'm going to be focusing on is helping interesting companies that want to improve 
society through education, personal development, mindfulness, health, nutrition, whatever it is, as long as it falls into one of those buckets, um, help them get their authentic voice out there, uh, depending on where they are in the company, help them generate sales. But I really just want to be an accelerator for their success in the beginning. And if they're more established, be more focused on brand voice and connecting with their audience and helping them tell their message authentically. If there's one thing that this podcast has taught me so far, it's that it does not matter what your voice is. So what you have to say, there will be people who want to listen. There will be people who want to be part of your story and your message will resonate with them if it's authentic. And so if you, if you are a company and you as like the founder of the company, you have your own beliefs and then the company itself, you kind of tailor the beliefs to be more palatable for society in one way or another. I think it's pretty obvious um, when a founder doesn't fully believe the message that they're telling the world. So yeah, I think that there's a huge opportunity for anybody out there that like wants to I hate saying personal brand because it sounds so artificial. It sounds so, it sounds so googly. Um, I had a manager that used to, used to use all of these buzzwords in the office. I mean, everyone at Google that you work with uses buzz, buzzwords and acronyms and all these like um, weird Google speak terms. But <clears throat> there is one term that I always had a bad taste in my mouth about, and that's called uh, that's uh, optics. And one time she told me, you know, you're, you're not really at your desk that often. It's bad for your optics. And I was like, yo, <laughs> that's the stupidest shit. When people talk about how things look versus how they actually are. If I'm not at my desk, but the work is being done, I really don't think it should make a difference. That's just corporate versus like maybe more of a startup mentality. But yeah, I, uh, I I always felt like when people would say personal brand and optics and uh, Google googliness and whatever it was, it just put a bad taste in my mouth because it made me feel like people were acting a way that's contrary to how they actually would act in the wild. And I just found that it was... Um, disingenuous and kind of sad and deceitful but that's just my opinion and that's why I want to help companies because I think there are so many cool tech products out there right now and um, consumer packaged goods brands that people just don't know about or not enough people know about them and could really like actually change the way that people live their lives if the companies did a better job of connecting with their target audience and really figuring out like what speaks to them and how they make decisions and that kind of stuff. So anyway, yeah, my company is called Hirochi. It's going to be a marketing agency, but I'm also going to help with sales and like specifically starting with lead generation and then working maybe into more of a full sales cycle kind of situation. Um, if I'm able to scale up a, a team of salespeople who can support where necessary. I can also offer consulting in that kind of, you know, in the, in that kind of realm. And then on the marketing side, it will be mostly focused on LinkedIn, content marketing, newsletters, stuff like that. And 
yeah, just really important to me that uh that I'm able to do my own thing. So that's why I'm that's why I've made the decision and I've I've read a a lot of biographies at this point and I've always enjoyed hearing stories about historical figures who became well known and well and and, and highly regarded like Benjamin Franklin for uh, you know obvious reasons um Leonardo da Vinci <clears throat> um uh Rockefeller Paul Getty uh Elon Musk I mean obviously there's not you can't just put these figures out there and say that they're you know only portrayed in a positive way there's a lot of infamy a lot of controversy around these people Jeff Bezos um and I, I've just I've always enjoyed hearing stories about people that became successful and and one of the themes that you do hear from business titans who I would say are not savants like someone someone like an Elon Musk for instance this probably does not apply to I think developers and um pure business leaders are a little bit different or not developers but like engineering minded individuals or finance minded individuals versus like more charismatic leaders um i think that they're just a little bit different in terms of like how they how their paths look everyone's path is going to be different but one of the themes that you see in just a lot of people's lives and specifically with like the regard to with regard to successful people on their path is that sometime around age 30 they start to have realizations that change the way that they live their lives altogether like not even just their 30s but sometime in their 20s and early 30s like you know Steve Jobs was going to read college and not showering and living in a barn or a, someone's attic or something and just doing like a bunch of weird shit and I mean, he, he never really changed in terms of, it seems like he, um, was always very peculiar, uh, based on interviews and stuff like that. And him also just like sleeping on the floor rather than getting furniture that he didn't love. So he, he was obviously a very peculiar person. I'm also not really the biggest fan of Steve Jobs as like a human being, but like you can't really knock what he was able to achieve. Um, and I guess like I'm finally at the age some somewhere around 30 I mean I'll be 30 in November where I'm just like starting to notice patterns in my behavior and picking up on them rather than kind of just like unconsciously letting them dictate my life and almost like lying to myself and saying when I have this familiar feeling rather than being like yeah it'll be fine it'll be fine knowing in my heart knowing from past experience that like it only leads to one direction into one direction now I'm a little bit more conscious of that one of the things my grandma always says to me ever like ever since I was like a little boy she's always been like what's the definition of insanity doing the same thing over and over and respect and expecting different results and like yeah yeah it's kind of oversaid. A lot of people say it. I don't know who actually said it. I don't know if it was actually Einstein or, you know, it could have been anyone. But whoever said it, like, I do agree with the sentiment. It's just that human beings 
for better or for worse, are not capable of learning lessons unless they actually experience it. So when parents try to help their children by teaching them lessons and telling them, you know, if you do this, this will happen. You don't want to drink and drive because if you drink and drive, this will happen. You know, it's like most kids, most human beings, I would say probably like 99% of people cannot learn a lesson unless it happens to them. So they'll make their own mistakes. And then after a while, they'll say, oh, now I get it. Now I understand why my mom always said this or why my uncle said this. You know, it's it's just really difficult to convey um, knowledge just by um, reading something or hearing something. So, yeah, now I'm 30 almost and looking at some of the decisions that I've been making recently. Uh, and by recently, I mean for my entire life and just trying to apply a little bit more rationale and logic, rationality and logic to um, those scenarios so that I don't end up just ending up with predictable outcomes that are not desirable. So yeah, it has been almost an hour. I've really been enjoying this episode, but I think I'm going to let you guys go. And I hope that this was helpful for you and that you are enjoying listening to these episodes. I'm going to continue putting them out. Even if I had no listeners, I would continue putting this out. So I want you guys to know that uh, it does mean a lot to me that you take time to listen to me. I appreciate it. And I hope that there's value. Um, But I'm also really having fun doing this. So it's a win-win, I think. I hope that you guys um, get something from it. Anyway, I still do not have my first guest for the, for the, you know, the first guest episode, whatever, but I'm working on it and that was a complete lie. I'm actually not working on it. I don't have anybody lined up, but maybe I could get some people lined up for um, October and early November when I go to the States. So if you're a friend of mine or you're someone that just somehow found this podcast and you live either in Germany or in the States, preferably New York, Michigan, Chicago, I mean, uh, Illinois, um, I guess not the entire state of Illinois, but if you live near Chicago, Denver, Houston, Austin, um, Dallas or Boston, and you want to be on a podcast, you should probably let me know. I can give you a fake name as I've already offered to do in the past. Uh, and yeah, we could just have a conversation. I mean, for me, it's just important, um, that we are able to speak openly and honestly, and I just want to learn from the people that come on here and hear real shit. So it's an open invitation. It's a roll call. Uh, who's ever interested can just reach out to me. Um, my email address is pretty easy. It's my first name and my last name at Gmail. So anyway, guys, wishing you all the best. Hope that you are doing well, and we will see each other in the next episode, which will be episode 32. Peace out, guys.